maker of heaven and earth in the midst of the storms of life. Those songs were just amazing again this morning, how they <laughs> flowed. In fact, I'm going to mention one here in just a moment. But we do have some announcements um, on our pastors. We had a meeting on Zoom again with the Bemidji area pastors this last Thursday. And Danae Alamano it is. I've been saying Alamo, but it's Alamano of the United Way uh, uh, was sharing with us and uh, really appreciated her heart and uh, the work that they're doing at this time to help coordinate things that are helping people that are have needs right now. And uh, I want to give the phone number there again. This is for whatever needs specifically like with food uh, or other items like that, clothing. Um, Danae Alamano and the number is 218-444-8929. That's in Bemidji there. And um, so they're coordinating these things. I also wanted to mention that Ruby's pantry uh, will be an extra time, it'll be this month, it's going to be on April 29. It was just last Wednesday. I believe it was Wednesday. Yes. <clears throat> and the thing was, uh, to get there early, they were actually done. They had over 400 cars that came through that received the funds. Um, that Actually, it's, tw it's $20 for a large box. Right, it's not, fun. it's not for giving funds, it's for receiving food, but it is $20 that you give and then you get much more food than $20 is worth way more. Um, but that's going to be again on the 29th, and, but get there early though. They were done, it was supposed to start at 4 o'clock and they were already done handing out 400 units by 4 o'clock last time. So they wanted us to let you know that. Um, also, our quilters uh, made 35 masks that were delivered to United Way. Uh, wanted you to know that as well. And they're making more. I talked with Karen just yesterday. So I want to share a word that the Lord gave to me to give to you. I believe this is going to help you at this time. And um, so I'm going to share that right now, what the Lord gave me. And it's concerning the financial part. You know, we're talking more about lately the leaders have about the economy and how to restart it and how it's causing a lot of economic challenges. And um, I'm going to share about that now. And giving is released by love. That's how I would title this. 2 Corinthians 9, starting at verse 6, says, actually the heading in the Passion Translation is hilarious generosity. And it says this, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. 
Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves, in a lot of translations say a cheerful giver, here it says hilarious generosity. So we have been hearing a lot recently about the coronavirus pandemic, peacetime emergency, and its effect on our economy. Some of you begin to see its impact on your families and have shared this with us through prayer. And we tell you to continue to call um, either 218-586-2854 or 2960 if you want to call and just pray, be in prayer on something. But the Lord has been prompting me to share about the financial area today, but I'll probably be doing a little more in some weeks coming up, maybe even on Wednesdays when we gather. And that's at 10 o'clock on Wednesday. We'll be doing it again, live stream at 10 o'clock. And this is both, you can go to the TCC website, or excuse me, to the Facebook page, or to YouTube. We're on YouTube as well. So he has shown me that I must teach on the importance of financial giving in times like these. He's impressed on me that it's good to bring teaching along these lines in financially good times, but even more so probably in hard times. Um, occasionally in the last months I've forgotten or we have forgotten to even mention tithes and offerings during our services. Uh, I'm sorry about that. It's not because, and you are giving, we know it's your giving. But uh, I'm sorry because it's such an important part of our lives and really it's a part of our worship. Did you know that? Our giving is part of our worship. It's a part of our showing our trust, our love, our faith in God is our giving of tithes and offerings. Um, yes, financial giving I'm talking about is a part of worshiping God. The Bible talks a lot about finances and giving. And finances are obviously a big part of our lives. But we do need to bring teaching from God's word concerning it. I've always seen that the financial giving here at Tin Strait Community Church has been very generous over all these years, very generous. And the Lord has continually supplied whatever needs that we have had as a church family. But now I want to talk about the love and giving connection. Giving is a very significant part of learning what loving is about. Giving financially of our tithes and offerings is definitely a part of this, of learning to love. It's, we give because we love, because a major part of loving is giving. I almost would think, I, I almost see it as a real essence of what love is, is giving. And we know our Heavenly Father's love for us, when we know it, we are freed to give. And one of the songs that Dean and his team had us sing this morning was Control, Somehow You Want Me. That's the name of it, I guess. I was wondering what the name of it was. I was asking Joyce, 
And she didn't know either. And then she went back and got me a copy of it because it so flows with this. And you can see where I'm going, Dane, right? Uh, it says, God, how you love me. Somehow that frees me. And you see how that works in this area of giving? It frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way it should go. And part of our life is our finances, right? And then it says, it frees me to open my hands up and to give you control, control of my finances. It frees me. When I know I'm loved, then I'm free to give. God's perfect love dries out the bondage of fear that would keep us from giving. It's the bondage of fear that keeps us from giving because fear is a huge factor in what keeps us from being free to give of our finances. Faith and trust are what must replace the fear and doubt that we have about financial giving. Maybe about any kind of giving. There's lots of ways we can give besides money, too. But our faith and trust come and grow stronger in us as we come to know, say no, say it here, know God enough from his word, which is truth, to experience his love in our everyday lives. God, moved by his love for us, always desires to supply our needs according to his riches and glory, and we know it's by Christ Jesus. Well, let's talk about planting seeds. We open the gate for God to bring us our harvest when we plant seeds from what he has given us. And this we're talking about today, it's seeds of finance, finances. But we close the gate when we hoard or even eat the seed and decide not to plant it in the soil, the good soil. And even what we would see as good spiritual soil. And some of those seeds that we can plant financially are tithes and offerings. When we plant them, God will bring back to us an abundant harvest, pressed down, shaken together, running over, as we see in Luke 6.38. Joyce and I have tithed all our married life together. Joyce, I think, might share just a little bit about that at a later time on a Wednesday or Sunday here. Um, our desire and our aim is to take a tithe of whatever income we receive and plan it. Even like this, for us, we received $2,400 with this government COVID crisis stimulus thing to help us. And uh, should, so should we tie that? Well, our answer is absolutely. Absolutely we're going to. Um, some of you may not know what a tithe is. Anybody know what tithe is? I see a few hands out there. Not very many hands here today. Well, it's 10%. It's very simple. It's 
Joyce and I also give offerings well beyond our tithe, and I'm not sure, and I'm sure you do. Also, many of you do that, because I know you, and I know your hearts. But the Lord has always taken care of us financially. You know, it says in Matthew 6, starting at verse 25, actually, if you'd read later on, Matthew 6, 25 through 34, it speaks about our needs, daily needs of food and clothing and so forth. And when we seek first the kingdom of God and being right with him, he has promised to make sure we have what we need in regards to our daily needs. But if you haven't, I know many of you do tithe, I'm sure. If you haven't taken the step of deciding to plant or tithe seed, financial seed, I strongly encourage you to do so because I want to help you. There is that pastor's heart that I have toward you and I love you, Joyce and I do. You know, it's harder probably when we're older and our finances are greater than when we're younger I know Joyce will share more about when she learned a little bit later in life than I did. When I, the first 10 cents, I found 10 cents one time on my way to school, a dime. And I got home and my mom, I showed it to my mom. I was really excited about it. And she says, well, that's good, Stevie. She called me because that's what she said. Stevie, I'm going to go. And she went. Back then, we had a lot more small change. She had 10 pennies, and she gave me 10 pennies for the diamond. She says, now this one, this one penny, that you can put in the Sunday school offering on Sunday. And so I learned tithing when I was Stevie, just a little boy. And it always was there. When we're older, it isn't maybe so easy. But as we get to know God's love for us, He's going to take care of you, and the door is open, as we'll see here in a moment, when we give. Giving financially, it's not a debt that I owe, but rather a seed that I sow. I learned that from Oral Roberts. I encourage you to give, to plant tithes and offerings because I love you, and because God's Word instructs us to give tithes and offerings. It's the way, it's the plan of God's kingdom. Not because of law, this is so important, not because of law, but because of love. The Lord wants us, his children, to give financially because of love. We know his love for us. We know he'll take care of us even if we give the tithes and offerings. But then... Because we love him, we want to give, see? Not because we have to. He desires to give us to give with a cheerful heart. His love will make fear depart and it will make giving a delightful activity. First John four eighteen, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. In Galatians five six, faith This is the Amplified Classic translation. Faith which is activated and energized and expressed and working through love. That's what makes faith work. It's love. 
When we come to know God's love for us, giving without fear is released, as we just sang. Even, and we might say especially, in the midst of financially difficult times. We come to the place of confidence in God's caring love for us, and we understand that giving is an opportunity for us rather than a burdensome requirement. We come to the place where we want and desire to give, even like our Father God does. John 3.16, For God so loved us that He gave. He loved, so He gave. Now we come to the place where we desire to give as well, and we come to see giving not as a debt we owe, but rather as a seed that we can sow. So let's plant, let's plant the seeds. We know what happens when we plant a seed in the ground. I just had a, I believe it was a text from Dan Woodward, and he was telling me last year he had started some La Bamba pepper seeds for me. And they're great. They're a kind of a jalapeno pepper. Jalapeno. And anyway, just great tasting. And he said, I got a few of them again for you this year. And you know what? I can already taste them. I can already taste them because Dan has planted the seed. He's starting the plant. He, he knows that's, we know that's what's going to come forth. It plants, when the seed is planted, it will grow. When placed in good ground, it multiplies many fold. Do we have that picture of Iquitos there, Cheryl, that we could put up? Um, this is something I think you'll see it on your screen too. We as a church family gave um, to a group of people in Iquitos, Peru, I believe it is. And um, anyway, we have a picture from them, and we had a note that came from them. Clark Barnard sent it to us. And uh, I'm just going to read it off of there. It says, Dear Ten Strike Church, Thank you so much for thinking of us during such a difficult time and for sending us a special gift to be able to purchase food. We are very grateful. May the Lord bless you in a great way as we have also been blessed. Sending a big hug from, and then it's a staff of YWAM in Iquitos, Peru. And so we continue to do that as a church also. We, we give tithes and offerings. But let's pray over these. Father God, we thank you so much that we are able to give, that we are free to give, and we give from a cheerful heart. We're delighted to give because we know that you love us you are going to take care of us and we make sure that we are giving according to your kingdom plan of our tithes and offerings. And so we give it as unto you, Lord, our high priest, Lord Jesus. 
And we thank you, yes, that even as we've read today, that as we give unto you, you multiply those seeds back, that we in turn have even more that we can give again. Just a really good financial cycle that you put us in. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus today. Amen. As Pastor Dean's coming up here, I'm just going to mention the places to give to TCC right now. You can mail your tithes and offerings to Post Office Box 67, Ten Strike, Minnesota, 56683. Or you can give online at uh, tenstrikechurch.com, our website. And up on the top right corner, you'll see a donate sign there. So God bless you. And Pastor Dean has a good word about condemnation, not getting into condemnation. And that's one, I thought of that this morning. It's a very important thing that even this area, if you haven't given tithes and offerings in the past, like you maybe see you should now, don't get in condemnation about it. Just begin to do it. But Pastor Dean has a lot more to share about that. So this morning I'd like to just share a few scriptures on living free from condemnation, overcoming condemnation. In 1 John 3, 20, if you'd like to pay attention to some of these scriptures and ask you to humble your heart before the Lord, there are things that we all face in our life and some have a greater hold on us than others, but the last few years I've prayed with a lot of people that are dealing with a sense of condemnation that they're just not good enough, not adequate. And uh, God gives us the keys to freedom and he sets us free. Hallelujah. In 1 John 3, 20, and whatever our heart condemns us for God is greater than our heart and he knows all things <clears throat> and so today we're going to be talking about this condemnation that seems to rise up from our own heart and the, the Greek uh, word study lexicon gives it shows us that this word condemnation is made up of two words against and judge to pronounce sentence against, condemn, a judge guilty. And so that's what condemnation is within us. We're judged as guilty. And that can, that's what we can feel. And you know, a lot of times the devil will bring that up, but he's a liar. A lot of times the condemnation we feel isn't even real. But it's an accusation of the enemy but it's like an arrow, it hits our hearts, draws us down into a place of, of uselessness in the kingdom. It paralyzes us. And so today we're focusing on internal realities, the unseen issues of our inner man within our own heart that we at times will feel a pronouncement of guilt 
This affects our faith. This affects our prayer life. And we need to come out of it in this hour and not be under this influence. And so sometimes this condemnation can be just an overriding sense that people have in their lives because of abuse or because of, you know, issues that arise from early childhood or through their life. But it also can be as you're going along and all of a sudden you just get this arrow that hits your heart and all of a sudden you feel just really in the moment drugged down. And that's uh, the work of the enemy trying to bring us into a place of captivity. And when we have confidence before God, our prayers are powerful. When we have confidence before God, our prayers are powerful. And condemnation is warring against this confidence that we have with God and toward our world. Amen. And so Jesus is our example of living in confidence before the Father. And his earthly walk, you know, we see that he he exhibited that he walked in such a great place with his Father that he could do the, the will of God and the purpose of God without missing a beat. Hallelujah. And so I'm just going to read a couple of statements here of what Jesus said. He said, Father, I know that you always hear me. See, that's that's a place of confidence before God. Father, I know that you always hear me. And Jesus has made a way for us to come into that kind of union with the Father. He says, I've come to bring you to the Father, to bring that confidence into your heart. Isn't that great? When we know that when we pray for somebody that God is right there hearing and working and answering. Hallelujah. He said, he also said, I and my father are one. He's speaking truth. He's speaking reality of his experience. But yet he was unashamed to declare that the father was his father. In John 14, 10, do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the father abiding in me does his works. Another thing, he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He said, also, the Father is working up to this very day, and I too am working. What confidence he had that he was bound to the Father, that he was walking in unbroken fellowship with the Father. And this is the very thing that the enemy is trying to destroy in your life. It will cripple us from acting with confidence. When we have an assurance that I'm walking with the Father, I'm working with him, and Jesus is right there with me, you know, we can speak, we can pray, and God answers. Hallelujah. So let's look at a couple of the sources of condemnation. The first one we've been talking about is Satan, of course. But in Revelation 12 and verse 10, and I'm not going to try to explain the timing of this verse where Satan has, you know, been thrown down from heaven. But yet we do see 
the purpose, one of the purposes of Satan's being. He accuses the brethren before our God day and night. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And so every once in a while we feel that dart, we feel that arrow strike our heart, and we just feel a sinking feeling. Oh, I'm guilty. (laughs) And we don't always associate with anything we've been doing or anything. It's just like that sinking feeling. That's the arrow of Satan. And we need to recognize that. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That doesn't come from the throne of God. It doesn't come from an angel following around with me. He's not, they're not shooting arrows of condemnation into us. That is coming from the enemy of our soul. And we need to recognize that. We need to learn to be aware of that when that hits. And then to take our stand. You know, we can quench every fiery dart of the enemy. Amen. And so let me just read something I have written down here. The devil attacks our memories. He throws our history up before us. He calls us failures, sinful, unrighteous. He will bring up others to hold them up as successes and that we can never measure up. These are all lies, for we have been redeemed. We have been redeemed, and our inner man can shrink down before us, before the onslaught of accusation, and feel defenseless. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus is ever living to make intercession for us, because there's an accuser. And I don't understand how that all works with God, with Satan having some kind of appearance before the, before the throne. But yet probably because he is connected to humanity when Adam sinned, he handed the keys to Satan. And he, he is still the God of, this, of the air. He's the God of this world. But Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus is right there to plead our case. Hallelujah. And so we overcome all the attacks of the enemy through the one that stands ever living for us. Amen. Let me just give us a couple things that we can do here to overcome. We overcome the enemy by agreeing with the truth of what God says about us. We need to agree with what God says about us and let it become such a part of our being that it replaces that spirit of accusation that comes up from our own heart. Amen. Colossians 1, 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us to fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints God's holy people in the light. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. 
Wow, what a, what a wonderful reality. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. He's transferred us. He's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. That can be such a living reality within our heart. There's no condemnation in that whatsoever. God has brought us near to him because he wants us near to him. He has brought us near to him because his perfect love has taken hold of us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He loves to have you in that intimate place of fellowship with him. Another source of condemnation is through our associations with people who we interact with. When we speak against one another, we forfeit power to minister with authority, to bring freedom through the Spirit. We bring freedom through the Spirit. We reach out to those who are taken captive with condemnation. James 4, 11, do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. And so when we are speaking against our brothers, those who Jesus Christ paid the price for, shed his blood for, it does something to my heart. It does something to me. If I open my mouth and, and, and speak those things out, I can't have confidence before God and my words be totally undisciplined. How many of us have had family that have made pronouncements about us that tell us we cannot be significant? How many families have destroyed a young person's confidence? You, we will never amount to anything. You can't do that. It's an amazing the power of those words, isn't it? Aren't you glad that the Father did not feel the need to, to clear his call on your life through your parents, your siblings, your classmates, your teachers? Aren't you glad? He didn't call a committee meeting. Well, here we have, you know, Doug before us. What, what do you think about my thought to put him in a place of authority in the kingdom? He didn't have to do that. He didn't do that. His call was sovereign from before the creation of the world. Our ability is not dependent upon others. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, when Jesus started ministering and he got to the place where he was in a house and the so many people were crowding around that they couldn't, people couldn't even get in the house anymore. And his mother and his brothers came and they were trying to see him. And I think, you know, you're going a little bit too far here. <laughs> you're going just a little bit too far here. We're going to come and we're going to raid you in a bit. But, wow. When someone told him that, he said, who are, who are my brothers? Who is my sisters? Who is my mother? Not, isn't that those who do the will of God? 
And so he didn't allow those attitudes to affect him at all. Kingdom, purpose. Amen. He puts that kind of a authority in our life. Amen. I went to high school with Calvin. <laughs> we graduated together. He was playing bass today. And, you know, we had some interactions, and I had known him since childhood when we attended the same church off and on. And, but I didn't see him as a person that moved in the prophetic when I was in high school. I saw him in the natural. I don't know what he saw in me. <laughs> but anyway, you know, 35 years later, I started coming here on Wednesday nights or whatever. Just I felt the Lord just wanted me to come and support a bit. But anyway, he, he was attending here, and all of a sudden I began to see the prophetic move in his life the sharpness that God was bringing into his heart. Wow. And to speak that into people's lives brings great encouragement. We, you know, our associations don't need to be condemning and putting down. We need to be upbuilding. It was really interesting. There's a lady that... Uh, I call quite a bit, and we have the same perspective on ministry and the things of the Spirit. She's traveled all over the world for 45, 50 years, having positions of leadership and serving, teaching in the body of Christ. And anyway, I called her, and I, was, I, I just mentioned to her I was looking to, thinking of portraying a teaching in a, coming from a certain standpoint that was different than what I normally do, and I was just kind of bouncing it off her, and she began to talk about in the early 70s that she was in a position to, to be in a small group that Derek Prince was leading, and how he just poured his life in, into it and poured his experiences in the realities of the Spirit that he had touched, pouring out to this group. And then I began to, oh, I began to ask her what, or, you know, I began to be able to, communicate with her about some of the things that were in reality in her heart as she was ministering. And somehow she was able to open up in a way that she had never opened up before. And I just felt my spirit rising up, rising up as she was talking. I could just feel this upbuilding. So a couple of weeks later, I called her and said, you know, when you shared those things, my spirit just began to soar. And she said, I was never able, I've been never able to share some of that because I feel inadequate. 50 years traveling all over the world, but yet that spirit of condemnation that wasn't even real was oppressing. Amen. Isn't it great to be free? Let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds and glorify your God who is in heaven. God has given us a light 
He's putting an anointing within us. He's put a call within us. And if we allow that just to be pushed down and hidden, and we just do a token amount of it, we're being hindered from achieving all that God desires. But if we can give ourselves fully to it, wow, it does something to our own heart. Not only bless others, but we feel the rising up as we're connected with God. We have confidence before him. It's been my privilege to preach four or five times a week for 45 years probably. And every time that you just present the word of God and you know, it just does something within you. I'm ministering in union with the Father. Wow. Say it with me. Wow. <laughs> God is really good. Amen. And every once in a while now even, you know, I hear Calvin say something. And... I hear the stamp of the Spirit upon it. Sometimes I'll ask him, what are you sensing about this situation? And so often we have agreement. Amen. Hallelujah. In 1 John 3.23, this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he, God, in us. We know this, that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. And so Pastor Steve was talking about the love of God. Well, as we allow the love of God to be our motivation in doing good works, it infuses into our inner man that we are working with God, increases our confidence that God is living in us and working through us. We keep on serving others and giving our lives to the kingdom. Amen. And that's what John said in First John when we the first verse we read. We have this confidence in him. And the way that we set our heart at rest is by continuing to do those good things. We, we, we store up goodness in our life and when that, those feelings of, of uh, condemnation come, that's a source of life, of overcoming. It sets our heart at rest in his presence because we do those things that are pleasing to God. And then it also says that God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. God is greater than our heart. So when our hearts condemn us, God is greater. He knows that we're in Jesus. He knows that we are covered by his blood. He knows that we have a standing with him. Wow. So we present our life to him, we surrender to him to allow that great love to lift us because he sees us in truth. You know, if we continue in think, doing things that we know are wrong and our heart is witnessing that they're wrong, we're, you know, God will forgive us, hallelujah, he'll cleanse us, 
but that will war against this confidence that we have in our own heart. So we need to continue to stand against those things. If we fall, we get back on track, but yet we say, no, I'm going to walk after God. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians 6 and verse 8. For he who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And so what we sow is so important. Pastor Steve was talking about sowing finances, but we also sow by our actions, by our meditations. If we sow to the Spirit to please God, we will reap eternal life. Right now, we'll experience the greatness of the life of God. And then he says, let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time, at the, at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. That's our way of life. As we have opportunity, we're just going to do good, do good, do good. We're sowing into the Spirit. It builds up our heart. Condemnation doesn't have that kind of control over us as maybe it used to. Hallelujah. Because we're constantly sowing and sowing and sowing into the Spirit. Just one final thought today. God wants us to affirm some of the great things that he has for us. Who am I in Jesus? We need to answer that question with confidence and through meditation. I'm a child of God. I'm in relationship with him. I'm a member of his body. I'm accepted completely by the Father. The other question is, who is Jesus in me? He is my righteousness. He is my standing. He is my perfection. He is my wisdom. He is my ability. He is my way to the Father. Who is Jesus in me? He is my ability to minister. He is my anointing from heaven. He is the one that is bearing fruit fruit through me. Confidence. Confidence. When we are giving our life to God in this way, the power of condemnation is broken. Amen. So let's have a word of prayer today. Father God, we acknowledge today that you are awesome. You are the one that has redeemed our life by your own will, 
by your own power through the blood of Jesus. And Father, we lift up our whole life to you and all those, as we look back, Lord, even though the things are under the blood, sometimes the memories of those acts that have been out of step with your spirit can rise up within us. And I thank you, Lord, that you're taking the bite out of that remembrance. It has no hold or power upon us. There's no condemnation. We can simply say, thank you, Father. I am cleansed. I'm redeemed. I'm delivered. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we surrender our lives to you. And you're helping each of us to come into more and more union with your heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Dean. That was really, really good. Thank no you. condemnation. Hallelujah. <laughs> so we'll... See you at 10 o'clock on Wednesday. We'll be live once again. And Josiah is going to close out here. You can be free to sing too, Josiah. You can play and sing, sing something for us as we go. So God bless you all. Hallelujah. <laughs>